Go ahead and grab your Bibles, grab your notebooks. We're going to jump right into a series, a little bit of a mini-series. We're going to talk about the love of God this week, next week, then baptisms the end of the month. But I really felt compelled to stir us up in the area of the love of God. I'm excited to talk to you about it this morning. If you don't have a Bible or a notebook, we provide them for you in the side tables, in the back. If you're at home, grab something to write down on. We're going to share a lot of Scripture and a lot of tools today to help us with the love of God. How many of you are believing for a miracle or a breakthrough in some way, shape, or form? Would you raise your hand? There's just something you need God to just show up in a big way. Okay. I was thinking about the anxiety and the fear and the times where we're so anxious about those miracles during worship and during that presence of God at the altar. God telling us prophetically in worship that He's, he's got you. Amen? He loves you and He's made promises. He is for you, not against you. The anxiety for most of us is the journey to the fulfillment of that promise. We don't know how God's going to show up. We can look back over our lives and see how God's love and God's faithfulness has always done what He's promised. But we can also look back in our lives and see how many times we were anxious and stressed out up until the fulfillment of that promise. (laughs) Because it's in the waiting for the manifestation of the miracle There's something in us that says, God will do it, but God, how are you going to do it? (laughs) And it's in the wondering how he's going to do it that we let ourselves go through so much stress, so much anxiety, so much needless worry and fear. And so over the next couple of weeks, I want to talk to you about the love of God. Let me say it another way. God's love has already figured out how to make it happen, how to bring it to pass. The Israelites had heard God say he was going to take care of them through the wilderness. He wasn't going to bring them out of Egypt to let them die in the desert, but yet they accused him of it consistently. When there was a need for water, their fear, their anxiety went right back into old patterns, and they began to curse God. They began to curse their situation, to start talking about his unfaithfulness when all they've known was him being faithful since they were left out of Egypt. What they couldn't see was that God was going to bring water out of a rock. What they couldn't see was how God was going to feed this many people in the wilderness. But yet God had already figured it out. His love was already on the case. And he was going to take care of them in ways they could not even imagine. There's even times where God has bent the laws of nature to take care and fulfill a promise that he's made to you and to me. Amen? I want to help you by the end of the next two weeks to be completely convinced that your God is for you, not against you, that his love surrounds you and covers you, and that whatever it is that that fear and that anxiety and those worries are trying to keep you awake at night, trying to get you to a place where you're anxious all the time and stressed out or even speaking things against his promises, that his love overwhelms you and you are completely convinced that he's already figured it out, and for you to have the best sleep you've ever had in the next two weeks, for you to have the best attitude that you've had because you've changed, you've shifted into expectation, and you've just said, you know what, God loves me too much than to fail us. He's not failed me before, he will not fail me now. Come on now, church. And we teach our children and our grandchildren how to trust God, not to fear, 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 fear until we see it, but to learn how to faith, 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 and see him come through 
we begin to teach and lead by example. But all of us need reminders of the love of God in our lives. We think of it simplistically. We think of it like Sunday school. We think of it like it's a little flannel graph. Anyone remember flannel graphs back in the day? Anybody? Raise your hand if you remember flannel graph. Only about 12 of you, okay. Flannel graphs were these like vine or velvety kind of plush boards and they would cut out Christian characters from the Bible and they would stick them to the board. And that was our multimedia presentation. Amen. And through that kind of multimedia presentation, we've changed the world, people. Some of the greatest missionaries had that. Amen. That's right. These iPads and fancy things. We didn't have any of that, but yet we've gone on with the kingdom. All right. Love of God series. Let's get persuaded about the love of God series. The love of God is not a child's message. It is a child of God message. Amen. And it is a strong, theologically sound and important foundational truth to help us through everything that we're facing. 1 John chapter 4, verses 15 through 19. 1 John chapter 4, verses 15 through 19. Today I want to talk to you about we have come to know and believe the love of God. We have come to know and believe the love of God. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God... God remains in him, and he in God. God's not out there somewhere, my friends. God is in you, and my friend, you are in him. Verse 16, we have come to know and believe the love which God has for us. Can you see how there's a bit of a break there between the two? Because sometimes we can know it up here and not believe it here. We can hear it here and not receive it here. You can even see it in the natural where a child may hear their parents say, I love you, but if that child doesn't know how to receive that love, it can cause all kinds of disorders. You can see it in a marriage when marriages break down where one partner is saying, I love you, and they're even trying to show love, but if that partner doesn't know how to receive it, doesn't know how to believe in it, it can drive a wedge between them and break that relationship apart. It's important that love is not just a theory, that it's not just information, but we get a revelation of that love. The curtain is removed and we see it for what it is and we believe in it. We don't just believe it exists, we believe it exists and is in us and is for us. That God doesn't just believe us or love us, but that we can lean into that love that he has for us. We have come to know and believe the love which God has for us. God is love, is the next line. God doesn't just love, God is love. Are you understanding that? Which also says everything then God says to us comes from a place of love, even his correction. When God corrects us, it's because he loves us, not because he wants to harm you, but because he loves you more than you could ever imagine. And his will for your life and his directions for your life is to give you a hope and a future. If you have this idea that God's trying to take away your fun, you don't believe that God is love and that it's his love for you. Who, he loves you more than any human being could ever love you. His love for you is charting a path towards your greatest success, towards your greatest impact and fulfillment in life. I want us to understand today that every word out of God's mouth, every decision he makes, every prophecy he makes, every instruction that he gives, it's all coming from a place of love. Somebody say amen. 
So when God asks something from you, he's not trying to take something from you. His love is trying to get something to you. Even when he talks to you about tithe and offering, you understand he's not trying to get your money. His love is trying to grow you into a place of generosity because a generous life is a lot bigger than a selfish life. I was taught as a child, a man wrapped up in himself is a very small package. You need to give yourself away and your life grows, amen? We have come to know and believe the love which God has for us. God is love. The one who remains in love remains in God and God remains in him. By this, love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. It's important that you have confidence knowing one day you'll stand before God. God doesn't want you dreading the day that you stand before him. God doesn't want you wondering where you stand or what his response will be. God wants you to know that when you stand before him, you're his beloved child. You stand before him now. You just don't see him. Amen? And you stand in a position of righteousness and you stand in a position of his child and he loves you. And he doesn't want you fearing the day that you'll stand before him face to face because that just means you haven't been perfected in love. That means you still doubt that love. That means you still wonder whether or not he's for you or against you. And a double-minded man or woman is unstable in all of your ways until you become fully persuaded that God is for you, not against you because of the blood of Jesus, not because of your good works, not because you deserve it, but because you said yes to it a sacrifice that we didn't earn, because you said yes to a Lord and Savior, amen, Jesus Christ, that you are loved by God. God actually loved you while you were still a sinner, but you were able to now step into that love because you've accepted Jesus. Are you receiving this today? There is no fear in love. There's no fear of what God's gonna say or do in your life, and there's no fear of what the devil's gonna try to do because the love of God surrounds you and his love cannot be penetrated by the attacks and the schemes and the tricks of the enemy, amen. That love is that covering around you. If the devil tries to touch your life, he's touching someone God loves. The God of the universe loves. You try touching one of my kids, we're gonna not just have words, you know what I'm saying? I'm not just gonna write you a very curt letter. You're touching someone I love. You've crossed the line, amen? There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear involves punishment. The one who fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. We love him because we have seen and believed his love for us. He made the first move. Say, God made the first move. You didn't try to get God to love you. God's chosen to love you. He loved you first, he loved you best. This is an important point in our theology and what we believe, that God came towards us, that God made the first move and our awakening to his love and our awakening to who we are and all he's had is because he loved us first. Everything, our worship is a response to the fact that he loved us. You're not trying to chase God and get him to love you. It's not like when you were kind of wooing your wife or your husband or trying to get them to notice you and trying to put on, you know, put on some nice cologne or shower and hopefully get, you know, kind of beef it up a little bit here, nicen up a little bit, try to get their attention. Please love me. Please love me. I'll do this. I'll do this. Please notice me. My friends, 
God notices you, God sees you. Nothing you have done is trying to earn him or get his attention. You have God's undivided attention. He has set his love on you. He has sent and set his eyes upon you. And because he saw you, even when you were a sinner, even when you were dirty and lost, even when you were dark and disconnected, even when you were rebel against God, God saw you in the mire. He saw you in the dirt. He saw you in the, in, in the, in the pain and the punishment and in the torment and in the sin. And he desired you. And he made the first move. He made the plan before the foundation of the earth. He made the plan and he came, his love came to you. He loved you first. The reason that's important is because that also means that when you're not perfect and when you make mistakes, he's not gonna take his love away from you because you had to perform to get it in the first place and then you have to perform to keep it. He gave you his love and sent it towards you, was offering it to you before you ever did anything to deserve it, amen. This is where we get secure in our relationship with God. So we get confident in our relationship to God. I want today to help you know without a shadow of doubt that God loves you. That's priority number one. God loves you beyond a shadow of a doubt. Number two, I want you to believe that God loves you and believe in that love for you to believe in that love for you. God loves you, Ephesians chapter three. Open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter three. Let's go into the New Testament a little bit. Ephesians chapter three, if you're new to your Bibles, go to the concordance in the, in the front, or I'm sorry, the uh, table, of in, table of contents in the front. Find where your book of Ephesians is. Go to chapter three, and then it's written in chapters and verses. And we're going to verse 14. Ephesians is in the New Testament. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. Have you found it? When I think of all of this, and he was talking about God's plan, God's purposes, God's goodness. When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. Listen to this part, underline it in your Bibles. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. Your roots to grow down into his love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. And may you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. So you hear the apostle here saying that your roots would grow down deep. We know that the depth and strength of the roots of a tree are what's going to keep it in drought, in times of drought, in hurricanes and storms, right? All kinds of trauma in the earth. You will always produce fruit. You will always grow and thrive, no matter the conditions, because your roots are going down deep into something that will nourish you, refresh you, hold you, come on. And it is the love of God for you. And then he says, that you not only would know it, 
but that you would experience it. But then he, he adds this little sentence. He says, but it's too great. It's too great for you to, to understand it. Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're telling me to understand it and to experience it, but then you say, I can't. How wide, how deep, how great that love is, which tells me something. There is a work and a need of the Holy Spirit to give us a spiritual revelation and awakening to this love. It is not a love that I can just educate you through your head. There must come a point where the Holy Spirit opens your eyes to it. That's why he's saying, I get on my knees and I pray for you. I pray that there's something more than just hearing it. God loves you, God loves you, God loves you, or seeing it on a coffee mug, or seeing it on a bumper sticker. But somehow, someway, in the middle of whatever you're going through, in the middle of your journey, in the middle of your, your crisis, of your emergency, in the middle of your failure, something of God would come in and remind you that there is a love for you that is greater than whatever it is you're going through right now, that is greater than whatever persecution, whatever battle, whatever tribulation, or whatever failure you've just gone through. There is something of the love of God that God give us eyes to see and ears to hear by your Holy Spirit. Help us not just to know it here, but to experience it from the inside out, this divine love of God for us. Amen. I want to take a moment. I want to pray that over you right now. Put your hands over your heart because all of my words will mean nothing. I don't, pre I don't want to preach sermons. I want God to open and awaken us to spiritual truth. God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, as we declare your love, as we begin to understand that you are love and that you loved us first and that, God, you want us perfected in this love and you want our roots to grow down. There is a, a breadth, a height, a width, a potency, a power in this love that, that human minds cannot conceive. But only by the Spirit of God, only by the revelation of God can this penetrate our hearts and minds. Can this get deeply rooted in us so that we are immovable, unshakable from this truth, from this foundation that you love us and that we are your children. And God, we pray today that you help us to see, know, understand, and receive this love for us. If you agree with that, say a big amen. Amen. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of God and power that comes from God. Romans chapter 5. Open your Bibles to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, verse 6. Romans chapter 5, verse 6. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and he died for us sinners. Now most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who's especially good. Verse eight, but God showed his great love. Some translations say demonstrated. God demonstrated his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we've been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. God demonstrated his love. So one thing I want you to capture in this moment about sending Christ to die on this cross. Here God is loving us, fallen, lost mankind. 
We cannot clean ourselves. We cannot fix ourselves. God puts on flesh. He, he comes off of his throne, born of a woman, raised from baby to 30 years old, dies at around 33 years old, and he makes himself the sacrifice for our sins. And this cross is a demonstration. This orchestrated solution for our sin problem. It's not his sin problem. All that happened, all of that prophecy for thousands of years before he'd come, all bringing Israel into creation so that from that nation the Messiah could come and save mankind. All of the moving and maneuvering of God through thousands of years of prophecy and fulfillment and struggle and fulfillment and promises and fulfillment, all coming together in this one moment here on the cross. All of that work was so that Jesus Christ could come and God could express and demonstrate his love for you. Do you see what I just said there? All of that is God moving and maneuvering things into position so that you could have complete access to him once again. So that you and I could have relational access, spiritual access, go into eternity and have forever access. This is a demonstration. How far will God's love go to take care of you and me? He'll go this far. Are you understanding this? It's not just Christ died on the cross. It's a demonstration of what God would do and what lengths God would go to to love you and to love me. And if God would go this far, he's not gonna fail you on some other level. He will not fail you on some other level. He maneuvered prophets, I'm saying it again, kingdoms, Thousands of years of planning for the moment of time to come and save you from your sin. Yes, mankind, but you the individual. He's not going to do this much and then fall short in helping provide for your needs today. Or your healing, or your breakthrough, or whatever other promise. This is supposed to inspire us of the demonstration of if I'm willing to do all this, don't worry, my son. Don't worry, my daughter. I will do everything else I've promised to you. This is the demonstration of my love for you. Amen. And nobody forced him to do this. Nobody, he willingly chose to do this because he loves you, because he loves me. He's not going to leave you now. He's not going to leave you now. Amen. You might ask, how could he love me because I know all this stuff that's wrong with me? Maybe he loves me because he doesn't really know me. Do you know God knows you more than anyone could ever know you? Because we may put up our false self to everybody else, but you can't fake out God. Can I get an amen on that? Sometimes we, we don't want God to find out what we've been doing. Do you know when we confess our sin is not when God finds out about it? Do you understand that? It's not like he's like, oh my goodness. 
I had no idea how messed up you really are. You are a piece of work, my friend. Wow. Here's what's wonderful about God's love for you, because it's different than anyone else. Anyone else may think they know you and choose to love you, but God actually knows you, and he says, I love you. He may not love everything we do, he may not love everything we've been a part of, but his love for you is reaching out and willing to pull you up out of that junk and to love you beyond. His love is great enough to be greater than the, than the gravitational pull of that old lifestyle. Are you understanding this? His love is leaning into you, not abandoning you. But what I love about when God says he loves you, he knows what he's getting. Even in yourself, you don't even know the depth of your own lostness, of your own deceit, because we can deceive ourselves. So you may think you're good, you may think you're worthy, and yet you may not be at all. God knows the truth about you, the absolute truth about you, and still says, I love you, and I'm for you, and I'm coming with all my love to bring you up and into what I see you're capable of, to what I see in your hope and your future. Isn't that wonderful? That's why you don't have to put on airs with God. You don't have to fake with God because he knows more about you than you even know about you. And he chooses to love you. He knew you before you were born. He knew you when you were being knit in your mother's womb. You cannot hide from him. Amen. He said yes to you after knowing everything there is to know about you. He still said yes to you. I want you to write this in your notes two specific words that are really important. His love for you is constant and consistent. His love to you is constant and consistent. And I look at it this way. What does that mean? Doesn't it mean the same thing? I kind of look at it a little differently and hopefully this will help you. He loves you consistently. Every day. You don't have to wonder, does God love me today? He loves you consistently. But then he loves you on a constant level. Let's say it like this, the power level. God may love you every day, but he doesn't love you some days at a one, some days at a five. He loves you on a constant level of 100%. Isn't that good? You know, sometimes, there are things that work every day, but they don't work well every day. There are things that you can lean on, you know it's gonna be there every day, but it's not necessarily constant. It doesn't stay the same. God's love, God has given you 100% of himself, 100% of his love, so not only does he love you every day, he loves you on a constant max level every day. Even when you fail, it doesn't dip down to seven. Are you understanding this? He's like, oh, I know I still got to love you because I said so, but I just love you with a little less of it. He loves you consistently and constantly with all that he is. Somebody celebrate that. Listen, 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 listen to this. Listen to this, listen to this. This is so exciting. 
which means he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. God doesn't change. Amen. So he loves you consistently and constantly, even to the same level right now as he was loving you right here when he was dying on that cross. Sometimes we go, he loved us so much. He loved us so much. Past tense. He loves you currently, present tense. As much, same level as he did when he said, yes, I'm gonna hang on that cross. He's not feeling it less. He's not showing it on a lower level because he's not currently hanging on that cross. It's the same, it's the same. It's consistent and it's constant. It's consistent and it's constant. Are you hearing this right now? He is loving you and giving you and pouring into you the same amount, the same potency, the same constant, consistent love as the moment he was dying on that cross. That's awesome. Also, the moment of your greatest failure, that much love is still coming towards you. The moment of your greatest failure, that much love is coming towards you. It doesn't dip. It doesn't bleep down. It stays the same. Same love. Consistent, constant. Don't you love that? Why is it so important for a child to believe God's love? Remember, today is about I know he loves me, but now I need to believe it. I need to believe it. I need to experience it for myself. When a child isn't sure of their parents' love, they struggle. Scientists and psychologists will tell you. Write some of these deficiencies down. When a child doesn't experience or believe the love that's being sent by a parent. Some of you may have children that no matter how much you've tried, they're just not receiving that love. We're going to believe God with you for a revelation of the love you've been sending. This isn't about judging anybody. Here's the thing. God loved his kids 100%, constant, very well, and the children of Israel still went off the rails. Are you hearing me? We still go off the rails. So this isn't a condemnation to moms and dads. But it's a warning, it's a reminder of why it's important that you, oh child of God, experience the love of God and believe the love of God. And you don't just hear it out here like the Charlie Brown teacher, but you hear it and you believe in it and you receive it. Some of these deficiencies, some of these things that happen when a child struggles with receiving the love being sent to them, their identity doesn't form correctly. A child doesn't know who they are and they begin to look for all these other people and things to dictate and show them who they are and they get lost when they don't know or receive the love that they need from their mom and dad. Their confidence is shaken. They don't have good self-confidence in business, in their own marriage, in their own life. They have a lack of confidence. They walk in fear and timidity. timidity. They get anxiety, they, they struggle with anxiety, they're afraid of everything and they're paranoid and they live in this state of anxiety, all rooted in this not being able to receive the love that's being sent towards them. Depression, we fall into depression. Difficult time building healthy relationships with others. 
And then more things about destructive choices and destructive lifestyles and destructive self-behavior. Look, all of this idea, we as children need to experience the love of our parents. We need it. And when we don't receive it, and we, first of all, when it's not being sent to us, our life has a lot of trouble. But I'm here to tell you today, even if your mom and dad did not give you the love that they should have, your heavenly father is sending you all the love that you need right now to heal every one of those things. That's why it's important that you do know, that you do know, and that you believe it. Because he wants to imprint his identity on you. Come on now. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. You're a son and daughter of the Most High God. You are joint heirs with him. You are seated with him in heavenly places. Amen. He wants to help you not have those fears, but rather to have a peace that passes understanding. Amen. To guard your heart and mind. He doesn't want you moved by fear and paranoia and panic. And he wants you to be able to have healthy relationships because you've been loved well. And you can love others well because you've received this love that you've been given. God's love for you can replace and fulfill and meet those needs that maybe you didn't receive from others. At the, end of the, at the end of the day, all of us are still children in bigger bodies. Please don't look at yourself and say, hey, I'm 70 years old, I'm 80 years old, I, I'm not a child anymore, I'm an adult. You're always going to be a child of God. And sometimes it's good to let ourselves remember that we're all still kids in bigger bodies. I've done church long enough and I've interacted with enough people to realize we're basically all stuck in junior high. Emotionally, mentally, all kinds of issues. They're all the same, just we have bigger bodies and they have greater impact, but we're all basically junior hires. And we need, we need God to imprint his identity in us. We need the love that he's sending for more than just, oh, this is a message on God's love. You need it to be a healthy, functioning human being. And to not be a dysfunctional Christian. Filled with fear, anxiety, panic, worry, suspicion, blah, blah, blah. Because you have an emotional stability. Founded and rooted in a healthy understanding of God's love for you. And who you are in him. Amen? How do we allow ourselves to see, believe, and receive God's love? Besides revelation. I mean, I, I love the fact that we need a revelation from God, but there's also some practical things that can help us in believing and receiving this love. Can I give them to you real quick? Just five quick things. A lot of these things are captured, and it's not a, it's not a total, like, total message. It's a, this will help you. It's five things. I'm sure there's more. But a few years ago, the Lord brought me back to a book I read early on in our marriage called The Five Love Languages. How many of you have read The Five Love Languages? Raise your hand. It's a book written by Gary Chapman. Like I said, people, some people have made different books, seven languages or three that interpret the, I, it's not about that. It's about this idea that human beings give and receive love certain ways. And we can learn how to speak someone's love language because if we're not careful, we can be speaking a language they don't speak, and even though we're sending them love messages, if we don't speak it in a language they speak, they're not gonna understand what we're saying. 
Did you understand what I just said? I can speak English to you, but if you don't speak English, me speaking more louder English is not going to help you. What language do you speak? You may speak Spanish, you may speak Portuguese, you may speak something else. And so the only way for me to communicate what I'm speaking, sending, is to send it in your language. Did you understand what I just said? So identifying what your language is so that you can also receive, but also if that's the way you speak, then it's important that you know how to use the language that's native to you even when communicating to God. Let's talk about it. In the book, it gives us five languages. Touch, quality time, words of affirmation, acts of service, and gifts. Touch, quality time, words of affirmation, acts of service, and gifts. As I've said, we put this in the context of our spouse. We can learn to speak their love language. We do all marriage retreats on these things. They're very helpful. All of us will have a dominant love language, but we can all learn new ones. So you never get stuck saying, well, that's not my love language. I don't, I don't do that. How many of you know we can all learn new languages? Thank you, Duolingo. Or Rosetta Stone. Allow God to share his love to you through these ways. Through these ways. This is about experiencing love, even as simple as marriage. But you know what? Children can use these things too. This is about love language. They actually wrote the book for teens too. Five love languages for teenagers. Because moms and dads, we're communicating what we think they're hearing, but we have to learn how to interpret what their, your child's love language is, speak it in that language so that they can have the love you're sending so they can be healthy and stable. It's all this same practical stuff. So let's talk about touch real quick. Talk about touch. How do we interpret that in experiencing God's love for us in this context where we are here at church? Write this down. Get in his presence. One of my children, they are such a cuddler. They, like, they almost stand on my feet in the kitchen. I'm like, like, I love you. I love you. He knows this too. It's like, I love him so much. But I'm like, man, it's like we're walking around like this sometimes. And I love it. And I wouldn't change it for the world. We need to get in God's presence. Not just so that we can sing songs, but you need it to experience and encounter his love being sent to you. To, in order to have these moments where you get an aha moment where you're in his presence and there's fullness of joy. Let his joy wash over you. Let his peace wash over you in his presence. Sometimes we don't believe the love of God because we haven't been in his presence in a long time. My kids need hugs more than once a year. They need me to tickle their back a little bit or they need to have some nearness. Are you hearing me? Touch, get in his presence. Allow time and space to feel something. Allow time and space to feel something. Some individuals that may not be important to you but I'm telling you it is important because it's really important we learn how to speak all five of these languages and not just pick one and say that's me. 
So even if you think that's not you, I'm telling you, you will benefit. It's one of the ways a human being gives and receives love is being in that presence, allowing time and space to feel something, allow tears of joy, the warmth of his peace and comfort to sweep over you, touch. Communion is also a way that we can tangibly touch something, the bread and the juice, and experience the sacrifice of the broken body of Jesus for us. Sometimes we need to touch something to realize his love. Quality time, number two, quality time. Undivided times of attention, speaking and listening to him and with him. This can happen through word, time in the scriptures where he's reading his word towards you. You're praying in prayer, you're talking to him. He's talking to you. Again, giving God time and space to speak to you. Time of meditating on what he said in that word. Quality time. We talked about touch, quality time. My friends, some of these things that we thought are spiritual disciplines, communion, worship, prayer, Bible reading, that's spiritual disciplines. These are things that are built into our routines to help us know and believe the love God has for us. Don't think of them as ritual. Don't think of them as just vain tradition. Jesus said you need to take communion. Why? Because we need to touch something sometimes. We need to, to see it and feel it and understand this broken body which is broken for you. Are you understanding this? We've turned it into religious and ritual. Oh, it's just worship time. No, it's presence. Oh, it's just Bible reading or prayer. No, it's, 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 it's quality time with God. I don't have time to read, I don't have time to pray. And yet you wonder why you don't feel and experience and your roots aren't going down deep in his love. You're, you're, you're cutting off some of these languages of which God would communicate and demonstrate that love. Are you hearing this? You need quality time with God. And if you do that time with God, you will experience that love of God and build more confidence in that love for God. Words of affirmation. Allow God to affirm you in his word. You're going to begin to see where your identity is in Christ. You're going to begin to see great and precious promises that God has for you, the way God sees you, sees you as his child. He calls you holy, amen. Calls you his body, amen. Cause you as children. God begins to affirm how he sees you, not how you see yourself, not how others have seen you. God will begin to affirm you in his word. Words of affirmation, allow God to affirm you in his word. God will affirm you through other people. People will try to give you compliments. Church, it's not a bad thing to say thank you. Praise God for the compliment. Sometimes we get so religious, we reject any compliment. We don't let anyone compliment anything. And God is just trying to tell you, good job. You're growing. You're doing well. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. amen. Let individuals celebrate the work of God in your life and the talents that God has given you in your life. It's a good thing. It's one of God's ways of communicating love to you. But then also, you can be affirming to others. Celebrating the body of Christ, celebrating good things you see in them. Even when we're affirming God and we're bragging on God, 
you're feeling that love awakening towards God. When's the last time you just affirmed God? Not that he needs it, he's not insecure, but you need to do it in thanksgiving. When you're affirming your son, when you're affirming your daughter, not only are they falling more in love with you, you're falling more in love with them. Are you hearing me, church? You're all getting quiet on me, come on now. Are you understanding the practicality of how we can come to know and believe and experience the love of God? There are some practical things we can be doing as well as believing for revelation. Words of affirmation. God will give you prophetic words. Come up to the altar and someone begins prophesying to you. Thus saith the Lord, I hear the Lord say. And God begins to speak into a hope and a future to exhort, to edify, to comfort you. Even Jesus needed to hear the Father say, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And then he went out and he took on the devil in the wilderness because he had the Father's voice in him. You need to hear the Father say, he loves you, he believes in you. You need to hear it consistently through the word, letting God affirm you in so many different ways and then also giving affirmation, sowing what you need into others. Amen? Say, but Pastor Kevin, what if I'm not a words person? Become one. You cannot say you are not a words person when you're in the family of God. Why? Because he is the word. He is the word. This is in our family. This is in our genes. Amen. This is our heritage. This is our culture. Everything God produces comes out of his mouth. You are going to learn how to use your mouth towards God and towards others. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. You, we are going to do this well. Amen. Acts of service. Just these last two. Acts of service. As we get involved in serving others in his name, we fall more and more in love with him. The Bible talks about giving a cup of cold water in his name. The Bible talks about as you've done to the least of these, you've done it unto me. How do we serve the Lord? We serve the Lord, yes, with how we live. We serve the Lord um, in our times of prayer, yes, our choices that we make in character and godly living. But you also serve the Lord by serving other people around you. If you don't feel close to God and you just, if you're just coming to services, singing songs, hearing the word, but you're not helping with the vision, helping with the mission of God, I can understand that's a whole part of love language that you're missing out on. When you come in and you join the mission of God, not just mentally, but physically, with your hands, with your feet, with your talents, with your gifts, then you become a part of what God's doing and, and this awakening of loving the things of God and loving God because you're actively serving in the kingdom of God. Are you hearing me, church? Join a team. First Sunday of every month. Join a team. Get involved. Help make ministry happen. It's one of the ways we love the Lord. Not just with our words, but with our lives, ourselves, our gifts, our talents. Did you, get, did you get that, church? Can I hear a big amen on that, please? It's not just that the church needs your help, which we do because we're a growing church, but it's you need what helping will produce in your own life, even in being close to the things of God and the vision of God and the heart of God, and you're acting in gifts of service.
Lastly, financial, physical gifts. Gifts. We draw close, and this is just a practical thing, we draw close to love in giving of our tithes and offerings. Physical, tangible expressions of what we bring in. We give gifts that represent our hard work through money earned, and we turn it into an expression of love called a gift. This is one of the ways we feel close to others. It's true. We do it at Christmas. We do it on our children's birthdays. We do it all the time. We take our hard-earned cash, money, and we turn it into some sort of a gift, and then that gift is given, and not only does the child feel blessed, but you, the giver of that gift, feels blessed because something that cost you something was wrapped up in that tangible expression and you gave it to the one you loved. We're wired up this way. It's one of the ways we feel love. We experience relationship. Amen. Is that true? And as moms and dads and people, as you're giving gifts to your children or to your spouse, you, are feel, you feel closer to them, not only do they feel grateful for the gift, which is where the Bible says it's more blessed to give than to receive. There's just something how God wired us up that when you take something of yours that you earned, that you created, that you raised, in the Old Testament it was crops or it was cattle or whatever, now we use different exchange, we use money exchange, but something that costs you something, because you love someone, you, you give that monetary value of something into a gift to say, I love you. And this is an expression of my love for you. Our tithes and offerings are not bills that we give to God. He's not giving us an invoice saying, here's your bill for my ministry. They are gifts of love. Are you hearing me, church? They are gifts of your love, and we are wired up to be gifts givers. It's how we relate to human beings. Are you understanding this? Perhaps one of the ways you may end up feeling and experiencing more of that love exchange is focusing more on the heart of what you're giving your gift or even start giving your gifts. Amen. That's why God says he loves a cheerful giver whose heart is in his giving because it's awakening something in your life and experiencing love between you and God. When I get Maria's stuff, when I go out of my way, out of the norm to get her something a little more special or something that I know she's gonna like or that is in her heart, I begin to fall in that much more love for her. I'm so excited to give it to her. You do the same thing with your children or whatever. You've prepared something that costs you something you're excited about, and in doing so, it just stirs your relationship between one another. So today's lesson, know that God loves you. There's a revelation required. But experiencing and believing in this love, there's some practical things that we need to make sure we're implementing as well as believing God for revelation. Let me read them over to you one last time and we'll pray. Get in the presence of God. Let him touch your life. Quality time. Words of affirmation. Acts of service. Gifts. Let's do what we can do and let God do the parts we can't. But it's so important to understand, God, you love me, and to let and experience that love. 
that God has for us. Would you stand as we close in prayer? Did you get anything out of that today? Give God a good praise, would you? Let me pray this into your life. Heavenly Father, right now, in Jesus' precious name, I thank you for your love that you send towards us. I thank you that you demonstrated fully that love on that cross. And Lord, we know that love is never gonna leave us or forsake us, that you're gonna fulfill every promise you've made. We may not know how you're gonna do it, and we kind of fall into fear there, but we can have confidence that your love knows how to do it, and you've already figured it out. God, I pray that you help us to now be convinced to begin to experience that love. Lord, if we need to let you touch our lives in a special way, if we need to get in your presence more often, if we need to spend more quality time, if we need to get involved with serving and, and being a part of the mission, God, if we need to use our words of affirmation and thanksgiving, Lord, if we need to give gifts more, stir us up on the inside of how we need or how we can do what we can do to experience and have this relationship with you beyond just theology, beyond just something in our head, but something very personal and real in our lives. I give you thanks and praise that this church knows their God, loves their God, experiences that love of God, and that we can give it away to others. We give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Before I dismiss you today, I want to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. The Bible tells us that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The wages, penalty of our sin is death, separation from God, even hell. But the gift of God, it's a gift, is eternal life through Jesus Christ the Lord. The Bible goes on to say that all who will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so I want to challenge you today, have you ever called on Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior? Be saved from hell, be saved from your sin, but also be saved into the family of God. And so today, if you can't remember a time in your life that you've asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, I wanna give you an opportunity to do that today. Secondly, you may say you at one time had a thriving relationship with the Lord, but you know the truth. You've walked away, you've grown cold, and today you would like to recommit your heart to the Lord. I want to pray for you too. If everyone, please bow your heads, close your eyes just for the next 30 seconds. And you say, Pastor Kevin, that's me. I desire today to call on the Lord to save me for the first time or to give my life to him fresh today. When I count to three, just raise your hand. Ready? One, two, three. If that's you, would you raise your hand today? There's a hand right in the center. Thank you. A second hand in the center. A third in the center. Anybody else? I'm in the center right now. Anybody else? Put it up. Fourth, awesome, praise God, my friend. I'm gonna come over here. I think I got that one, I'm gonna come over here to this side. Four, five, I see your hand, little one over there. Five, anybody else today on this side? Anybody else? Six, maybe, six, maybe. Maybe that could be a stretch. Six, five, six. All right, over here on this side, put your hand up. We wanna see it, this is your commitment to the Lord. Six, right there, six, anybody else? your moment to say, I need you, Jesus. All right. Would church, would you pray for us and pray for those that have raised their hands today, about six or so? Let's all pray together so they're not praying by themselves. Pray with me, church. Dear God, I thank you that you see me just as I am. I realize that I have sinned and I have walked away from you. 
I receive Jesus Christ today as my Lord and Savior. I believe that he died for me, that he rose again. Please forgive me of my sins. Wash me, cleanse me, make me new. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Take every part of me now. Thank you for saving me and making me your child. Be my God. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you celebrate those six or so? Welcome home, everybody. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.